Thank you for listening to the Spring Forth Podcast, the ministry of First Congregational Church of McGregor, Iowa. Monday, Thursday. Part of the Tridium, a series of three days leading up to the resurrection of Christ. As we hear this story of Jesus's last supper with his disciples, let us remember he serves us and he calls us to service. Let us pray. God of grace, God of glory, God who willingly enters into suffering, God who can stare at the faces of friends and to know that among them there will be those who betray you, deny you, doubt you. The very human nature of your son draws us to you. You relate with us. You hurt. You bleed for us. As we contemplate your last supper, we want to know you better. We want to be your disciples. We want to hear your call to service. Teach us how to love. We ask these things in your name. Amen. The Gospel for Monday, Thursday comes to us from John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, 31b through 35. A reading from the Gospel of John. Now, before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in this world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and who had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, tied a towel around himself, Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. And for this reason, he said, Not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, he had put on his robe, and he had returned to the table. He said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set before you an example, that you 
should do as I have done to you. Very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I have said to the Jews, I now say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of the Holy Word. Amen. The Last Supper. We have seen images in some of our churches of the image of the Last Supper, the famous painting by Leonardo da Vinci. Jesus, dead center, disciples, fanning out his right and at his left, each one with a significant pose. But that painting, it's an artist's rendition. Let's try to put ourselves down in the context of that Last Supper. The part that Leonardo da Vinci did not depict. The part where Jesus takes off his outer robe, ties a towel around his waist, and goes and begins to wash the feet of his disciples. Now it was customary in first century Palestine that guests would be met at the entranceway by the servant who would have a basin of water. They would remove their sandals and they would wash the dust, the filth, the muck from the traveler's feet. This was a custom and it was always the servant's work. The host didn't do this. The host was like, slave, go and wash my guest's feet. So you can imagine the surprise when Jesus gets up from the table, takes off his outer robe, puts a towel on himself, and begins to kneel and wash the feet of the disciples. We see this disturbance in Peter's response. Peter's like, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet, are you? It's not that Peter was squeamish, weird about his feet. It's just that he knew the significance of what Jesus was offering him. This is servant's work. You're not going to wash my feet. Why don't you wash my head? Why don't you wash my hands? Don't even get me started on hand washing. Because it seems like these past few weeks, we've been encouraged, hyper-encouraged, to wash our hands. So Peter wants his head and he wants his hands washed. He doesn't want his feet washed. He does not want Jesus being a servant to him. It creeps him out. But Jesus says, unless I do this, you have no share in me. Most of you are clean, though not all of you. He says this because Judas Iscariot is also in the midst. And Judas has already resolved with the chief priests to deliver Jesus. 
later on that night. Jesus knows this this must be done in order that the prophecy can be fulfilled. But it seems like mystery talk to the rest of the disciples. When Jesus is finished washing the feet of his disciples, he goes back around and sits down at the table. Looks at his disciples and says, do you know what I have done to you? They know they've been served. That's very clear to them. He has set forth an example. Monday, Thursday is a derivative of mandate. Mandate, Thursday. Mandate is this commandment that Jesus will give to his disciples before he leaves this earthly body to take on a divine one. But he wants to be very clear that they have a responsibility, that we have a responsibility if we are going to follow him. It's not just good enough to look at him and say, wow, look at those incredible things that he did. This guy was out of sight. It's not just enough for us to admire the work of Jesus. We have to inhabit his likeness. So he has just served his disciples. He has always been serving the disciples and those in the surrounding communities. But he wants to make it very clear to these individuals that this service is going to become their charge, their responsibility as they move forward in life, as they move forward in his name, service is going to be at the heart of their ministry. We've seen some pretty incredible things these past few weeks as we have taken to our homes, limited our movements, taken in and consumed probably a, a lot more media than we're even comfortable with. We could probably use a break from our devices, so I thank you right now for taking time to join me with this meditation on yet another device. But what we have seen is this incredible outpouring of individuals demonstrating hospitality the best way that they can through the means that are available to them, serving one another, affirmations, encouraging words, kind gestures. There is a sweetness that's taking place in the world that is counteracting the destruction that the disease has been bringing around the globe. It's being counteracted by individuals who are so in touch with their humanity and that they realize that part of their humanity is the expression of kindness, compassion, the ability to empathize. Now, Jesus' ministry was one of reconciliation, that his ministry was one that always brought people back into harmony with God and with their community. It is very important for him to realize that even though he is going to be sold out later on that evening, even though he knows that Judas has broken from him and that Judas has lost favor, he's no longer the savior that Judas needs. With that firmly in mind, Jesus has to be very clear to his disciples that playtime is over. 
The learning is about ready to come to an end. I have called you for service. Make no mistake about that. What I have done for you, you must go forth and do to others. He says, I set before you a new commandment that you love one another. In church, we talk about love in such lofty principles that no one can ever truly attain it. But Jesus brought love down to a very tangible level, brought love down to its basic elements, to see a need and to address that need. He doesn't complicate love. He shows it through deeds, through gestures. He loves his disciples because he's willing to get down there with their gnarly feet and wash the dust of a day's journey off of them. That's love. It's simple. We complicate it. We think love is trying to scale some great mountain, overcome some incredible problem. We bring the complexity to a situation that doesn't need to be confused. Jesus asks us to take on his likeness. Now that's kind of an incredible thing because in that room, are disciples who in their own way will come up against their own weakness. Judas betrays Jesus. He's through with him. I don't even know why he even came to the meal. Peter will deny him in just a few hours. When Jesus was taken up and delivered into the hands of the authorities, Peter's like, I didn't know him. You got me confused with someone else. A lot of guys look like me. They got similar face and build. No, I, I, this Jesus I do not know. Thomas will come to doubt him in the resurrection. When Thomas hears the exclamation that Jesus has been raised from the disciples, from folks he knows, not from some strangers on the way, from individuals that he knows. He's like, I need to see him for myself. This is who Jesus is in the room with. He's in the room with guys who are going to run up against their weakness very soon. And he is asking them to take on his likeness. He is asking them to love not only each other, but everyone that they meet. And in doing so, people will come to see his likeness, the likeness of Jesus in us. You know, we have to contend with that. We have to contend with Jesus who is calling us forth to discover a strength in us that we could not attain without his intervention. Would you be equally shocked if Jesus served you in this way? If Jesus came and washed your feet, knelt before you in all humility and wanted to do you this favor, wanted to serve you, would we be inclined to resist like Peter, 
would we be so taken aback by this simple, humble gesture that we feel like there's some ulterior motive? What does he really want? Why is he doing this? We've had a lot of time to think the past couple of weeks. And hopefully our thoughts have not been solely focused upon when can we get back to how we used to live. I truly believe that there is no use to. There's only the opportunity to look forward. There's only this next moment. There is life before this disease and there will be life after this disease. And during this transition that we are in, we have to start thinking about how we are going to live in a post-pandemic world. How we can be God's people in a world that has confronted an invisible enemy that has shut down life as we know it. But it didn't shut God down. And it hasn't stopped all the essence of who and what God stands for. Because we are the agents of change. We are the individuals who will convey that reality to someone else. We can be a calming presence. We don't have to take the crazy bait. Or we have some customary freak out. We can be the individual so anchored to the promise of God that no matter what changes take place in the world, what changes take place in our life, no matter what is disrupted, we know who we are. We're resolute. We're not alone. And hearing the call of Jesus come to us uniquely but succinctly. Not just speaking with those disciples who were gathered there for that Passover meal, but speaking to us and saying, this mandate is for you. It's for us. This mandate to love one another, there's no expiration date on that. It will continue through our generation and future generations and anyone who attaches themselves to the identity of Christ will be called to inhabit and endure in this mandate to love one another. And don't ask yourself, well, what does that look like? Is there some strings on it? No, love is meeting people right where they're at, serving them, affirming them, supporting them, encouraging them. It's not, you will receive my good favor if you do X, Y, and Z. That's usually how we see love played out. If you please me, if you honor me, if you obey me, then maybe you'll get my better side. But if you do not do these things, if you disappoint me, if you continue to run amok, if you continue to defy my wishes, I'll cut you off. It's kind of the standard that we see played out so often in life, that when we hear Jesus 
setting this commandment before us, we have to try to hear it as he presents it, not as we maybe have experienced it. Love with conditions, for his love has no conditions. He says, if you have love for one another, they will know that I sent you. It doesn't get any better than that. It will never get any better than that. And this is a man who knows that only he's only hours away from being given up. He's only hours away from experiencing some of the most intense pain of his life. Yet he can still look at his disciples and say unequivocally, I love you. Love one another. That's good news. That's good news, and it shouldn't be so hard for us to inhabit that good news, for us to make that our likeness, for us to say, yes, I want to try that. I'm going to try that. If God says that we are not alone, if God has given us the example and the image of Jesus, if we can take his likeness, then what do we have to fear? Love one another. This is the new commandment. May we, who are pleased to be in God's favor, inhabit this new reality and live in accordance with that truth now and always. Amen. I want to thank you again for taking this time to join me for this meditation. We're not done with Holy Week yet, so check your feed tomorrow for another meditation for Good Friday. Until then, receive this blessing. And now may the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. May it keep you and guide you in peace. Amen.